0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Of Prayer International Radio, I'm your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. So we have um, somewhere between an hour and two hours of some more worship, uh, the Word of God, um, intercession. But to start it all off, if you need prayer tonight, um, give us a call. Our call-in number six one nine. Six three eight eight four five eight. you can also email us at prayer international I'll pray for you to believe for you according to what the word of God declares over your life that he is our healer that he is our provider that he is our shelter he is our chief advocate he is our counselor our helper in a time of need he is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King.
0: You know, it's um,
1: it's funny. Um, I have a, um four kids. Um, two of them are in high school right now. The one of them, uh, my daughter Emily, just started um, her freshman year, or she's almost done with her freshman year. Sorry. And so when we are driving to, when I drive her to school every morning, um, there's always a mix between worship music playing in my car, something from IHOP or CFNI um, or Hillsong, um, and then sometimes I'll listen to the news. And um, she'll often ask me about the current events in the world and what's going on, because she knows I usually um, attempt to somewhat keep up with what's going on in the world around us. Um, because it's a very big world, um, it would be, I would say almost impossible to go country by country, nation by nation, tribe by tribe, tongue by tongue, to even give a brief description of what's happening in various different places. Um, you know, just in China, I believe this week, one of the largest churches was torn to the ground. Um, for whatever reason, it was torn to the ground. Um, and, but, you know, what occurs to me is, you know, God said that, what is the house that you will build for me? Since his hands have created things. You know, in the Old Testament, they built him a temple. At first, it was a tent. Well, actually, before there was a tent, there was a cloud and the tent, and there was a temple and a sanctuary, and then that one was torn down, and then there was another temple. And people in Israel are now in these days we're living and waiting for the third temple to be built. And we have churches scattered all over the world. Um, but what is the place that our human hands made of clay made of the dirt of the ground, fashioned into His image. What is the house that we can build for Him? Because His hands have made all things. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. As um, my pastor said just recently, um, sort of funny because not too long ago, probably a year or two ago um, President Barack Obama of America made some comment um, and it was sort of taken out of context or he had bad speech writers and he said, you know, if you have a business well, you didn't build that someone else did and someone helped you with it and, you know, whatever his intent was it upset people and my pastor said the other day, you know, whatever you have, and he actually meant it when he said it because of how true it is, whatever you have, it's not completely yours, it's not really yours. Um, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Everything we have belongs to him, and we're stewards of it. He blesses us abundantly be above all we can ask or even think that's true, and He is a God of grace, and He is a God of mercy, and He's a God of provision. But everything on this earth, the ground, the trees, the sky, the stars, the solar system, the universe, the countless expanse of heaven, all belongs to him. It's all his kingdom, and he is a king. And as a king, you know, there's things that he deserves, respect and honor, glory and power. Praise and worship. I remember someone said once about his own salvation. He said, even if the Lord, and I'll paraphrase this, he said, even if the Lord decided to cast him into hell at the end of his earthly life, he would still praise him. Because who he is is completely independent independent of what we have and what he's done for us. What he's done for us is a fruit in the very, the fruit's a good word, it's the very nature of his being that causes the goodness and the fruit of his character to be shown in our lives. But who he is, the uncreated God, who was and who is, and who is to come, without beginning, without end, seated in heaven in unapproachable light, but who,
0: because of his great love, loved us,
1: who are nothing. Well, let me change that. David said, what is man, that you are mindful of him? But yet God saw fit through the riches of his grace and his kindness when we could have no salvation, no chance for eternal life. The very purpose for which we were made, he sent his own son to die for us out of his great love, but
0: yet he's a king. He's the king,
1: the king of glory, the king of heaven and earth. Jesus himself, with whom the Bible says, he exalted his word above his own name, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess, that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee shall bow. Whether you believe in him or not, whether you know him or not, whether you've had a good life or a bad life, regardless of what your opinion are, your opinions are of who he is, regardless of our opinions of what he's done it makes no difference because he's still king he's still the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth and it's one of those (coughs) excuse me, it's one of those facts about our existence that although we can't see him in this physical realm we can't see heaven we can't see eternity he exists in it and he is and he changes not the same yesterday, today and forever
0: the express image of the invisible
1: God in all of us every one of us will stand before him and he'll look at us and some of us he'll say, well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord. And the funny thing is once you get to that point it's like almost like holding a lottery ticket, but a million times better, waiting for those magic numbers that you know will change your life, but waiting for the first few syllables of his voice echoing throughout heaven, well done. And it doesn't matter what's past the gates. It doesn't matter about houses. It doesn't matter about crowns. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. Because our life and the fullness of our life doesn't reside in material things. It doesn't reside in physical things. It doesn't reside in rewards or in pleasure or anything that we would think. But the joy of our life is Him. The fullness of our life is Him. The, the meaning behind our very existence is to have a relationship
0: with the uncreated God. To have a relationship with him who sits above the throne, who dances over us.
1: It's an um, awe-inspiring thought that the Father rejoices over His children. The world would have you believe, the enemy would have you believe that God is an angry God. Um, there was a evangelist pastor a long time ago named John Edwards who wrote a book called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I always loved that book. Never read the whole thing, but what I have read I love. Because I always thought that, you know, these are the times When it's becoming just like the point of Noah And we know the scripture says that in the end It'll be just like the times of Noah Where the world was filled with sin And there was none righteous And people forgot about him But he has a remnant He knows whom are his And Jesus said I know who are mine and whom the Father has given me And the enemy cannot snatch them away And so what the enemy does is try to convince you that he's an angry God, he's a mean God. And, you know, I love the book, because I've always thought that, you know, what the world needs is they need someone to stand up and, with a righteous hand, declare, hey, this is God, this is El Shaddai, Elohim, the Sovereign, the awesome God. Thinking that just a few words would somehow convince the world, to turn from their evil ways, and to repent, and to turn to Him. But they also crucified the prophets that were sent to them, just as their fathers did. And, you know, we're living in those same times where, you know, it's not our words, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And yes, he's a God of righteousness and he's a God of justice and there will be a judgment day. But he's a God of love and he's a God of mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, who is any? Everyone. Literally every single person. Not willing that any should perish. says so that he's long-suffering, patient, waiting. Time and time and time and times That none would perish, but all
0: would come to repentance.
1: Because they're still his sheep. Even though they don't know they're his sheep, they're his sheep and they're lost. And he's still looking for them. The Holy Spirit going out, breathing into men and women and children who have called upon his name, who have said, you know, God, use me, And which is funny because some people think that you have to have degrees and you have to have, you know, go to four years of seminary and go to this and, you know, you need to spend six years in the desert reading your Bible. And while we have to have a relationship with his word and we have to have a relationship with his spirit, you know the Bible says we talked about this last week. Um, he had a plan. He had a calling for your life. The Bible says in the book of Joel that in the last days I will pour out my flesh upon all upon everyone. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your m- young men will have will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. Or I think I switched that around. But the point is, every single person who is breathing, born again, filled with the Spirit, a new man created in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us are filled with the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit, and that breathed upon the waters of the earth when it was still without form, and darkness was on the face of the earth. It was God who spoke and said, let there be light, and the Spirit was hovering over the water. And there was light. Same Holy Spirit dwells in every one of us. Same Holy Spirit quickens us and gives us supernatural revelation and supernatural wisdom and supernatural understanding and discernment of the times that we live in, that we can preach the Word in season and now. You know, the Bible says, Paul said, to pray without ceasing. Well, how do you pray without ceasing? You pray without ceasing by continually being in the Spirit. You pray without ceasing by continually communing with God. You pray without ceasing, by never forgetting and never taking it out of your mind for a second who He is and what He is capable of, which is saving to the utmost those who call upon His name.
0: You know, in
1: the the Gospels, there's a story of a man who was on a stretcher couldn't walk Jesus is in a house and if you're a Christian and you read your Bible you may know this story but this man he's on a stretcher and his friends hear about Jesus and take his friends take his friend on a stretcher and try to get in to see Jesus and you know the whole house is surrounded by people thronging the doors trying to get in some to receive something from the Lord, some just for a glimpse. And let me just say, I remember—I'll uh, get back to the story, but from the Bible. But there was an evangelist named Smith Wigglesworth, and who had an amazing ministry back in a long time ago. And at the end of his services, he would. Have an altar call, but it wasn't one of those altar calls you see in American churches nowadays where the pastor says, "Okay, with every head bowed and every eye closed i I understand the concept of saying that of having everybody close their eyes so that way nobody's embarrassed. but I remember when I was in Steve and I myself, Christ for the nations, one of the teachers has said he didn't believe in leading people to the Lord like that and performing altar calls like that because it's almost like you're trying to sneak people into heaven. We're going to have this like solemn time right now. If you want to know the Lord, you can raise your hand, but first, everybody close, close your eyes, everybody bow your heads, and nobody can see who's raising their hands. But we're supposed to publicly confess him. Anyway, Smith Wigglesworth would make an altar call, and his went something like this. He would say, if you just want to touch from the Lord, then stand up in your seat. The Lord, meet your need, step out into the aisle. And if you want to meet him and to experience him, then come down to the front and have given the choice which one would you take of course you would be running as fast as you can down to the end of the altar to meet him but in this story in the bible these friends lower they can't get their friend into the house so they go up upon the roof and they start tearing away at this guy's house whoever's house it was i don't it probably says but i don't remember They start tearing away this guy's roof, pulling it away so there's an opening big enough to put a cot in or, like, a stretcher bed. And then they lower their friend down in front of Jesus, and Jesus sees it. And even Jesus is, like, marveled, not because they tore the roof, because of their faith, sort of like the woman with the issue of blood who, when she shouldn't have even been where she was, been around of other people because she had a, a, an illness and she was theoretically unclean, blah, blah, blah. And she just pushes through the crowd because she's like, I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they do. I've got to get to Jesus. With every breath I have in me, with every bit of strength, I know if I just touch the hem, just the very corner of his garment, I'll be healed. Like the centurion who came to Jesus because his servant was sick or his son or something. I forget which one, I think it was his son. I don't have the script the Bible the scripture open right now, but and he's like trying to get to Jesus and he gets to Jesus and he's like, Come and And Jesus is like, Okay, well I'll come and he says, No, don't come. I'm not even worthy but just speak a word and he'll be killed. Faith so strong that knowing that the God who spoke one word and breathed into existence everything could speak a word and cause a miracle to happen. And so Jesus watches as these friends lower their friend down and he looks at the man and. You know, everybody's looking around, and like, hey, Jesus is about to heal someone else. But he doesn't start that way. He says, your sins are forgiven you. And, you know, if I was in the room, I'm like, huh? I was expecting a healing. What is this? Your sins are forgiven you. And, of course, the scribes and the Pharisees are, I don't know what that word is I'm trying to say. They're pretty mad. (laughs) Indignant. That's it. And they're furious that he's, of course, blaspheming because their eyes aren't open and they can't actually see, like Peter, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. Even though the very scripture that they read and the very scripture that they meditate on and they study and they put around their necks, and, and the very scripture that spoke about him, they couldn't understand. And so when he said, your sins are forgiven you, they couldn't see what kind of grace and mercy was at work in their midst and how much of a miracle was at their midst. They were expecting one miracle and got one on a completely different level. Because what's harder is it
0: to raise someone from the dead,
1: Or raise someone's spirit from the dead. You know, we know what goes into a human body. We know organs and DNA. And we know, medically, we know the the whole process of decomposition. We know what happens to a body when it's dying. We know how to check, hook someone up to machines and check for, like, heartbeat and oxygen levels and all this stuff. And we can even tell something I didn't know, like when you die, or when your heart stops, there's a special chemical your body releases. Tell when people have died, even just by that chemical. And science is, in medical science, is so amazing that we can even look at the DNA that God's created inside of us that makes every single one of us completely unique and different from everybody else. But we have no idea what the human soul, human spirit is made out of. Our spirits that are eternal. You know, have you ever actually thought about that?
0: God formed man out of the dust of the ground.
1: Got that. They're molecules, chemicals, carbon. Mix it all together. And you have a human form. But then you have to breathe life into someone. For him to breathe his life, his breath, into us. The Bible says in the book of Job, he could withdraw his breath from the world. Cease to exist. But he breathes into us.
0: And our spirits become alive. And then when
1: we're born again, our spirits that were once dead become alive again. And then the Holy Spirit is breathed upon us. And we become filled with His Spirit. Mingled in with our spirit. But what is our spirit even made out of? What is the what is the very nature of it? What is the very composition of the human spirit that's eternal? What does an eternal spirit even look like? We have no clue. And as advanced as we are, I doubt that we're going to have a clue anytime soon. But how much harder is it?
0: to resurrect a dead spirit
1: that's dead to the life of God and to give it fullness of life. You know, it says, if anyone is, Christ, is in Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It says we were buried with him in baptism and raised with him to the newness of life. Old things have been passed away. Behold all things have become new, and it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation
0: The biggest miracle salvation The biggest mystery out there is
1: salvation thing our human minds can't comprehend. We believe it in faith and trust Him, trusting Him with the salvation of our souls, striving to trust Him to be our Lord and not just our Savior, trusting Him to be the King of kings. But Jesus tells this man, your sins are forgiven you, to demonstrate at the time His sovereignty, That he was the great I am. That him and his father were one. Declaring, here I am. The one you've been looking for. The one that's come to take away the sin of the world. Here I am. In your midst. But it said.
0: It said, and he dwelt among us.
1: But we didn't know him because they couldn't see. And then after he had raised this man's spirit from the dead, forgiven him of his sins, then he was like, take up your bed and walk. You'll notice Jesus, in general, when he was in the midst of people, he didn't have really long prayers, at least not the Bible tells us, it doesn't show that he had someone come up to him and say, I need help. And Jesus would be like, okay, well, you know, let me go get my prayer closet and I'll come see you tomorrow. He did say that when there was a demon that in a, that inflicted a child and his disciples could cast it out, he did say this kind, kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. But in general, you don't see Jesus making long speeches, making long prayers before the Father. You don't see him looking at someone and, and trying to figure out exactly which organ, trying to figure out exactly what's wrong, because he's God, he already knows. But his, All he said was, take up your bed and walk. Whatever's wrong, it doesn't matter. Jesus, doesn't matter what the symptom is doesn't matter what the disease it doesn't matter did it happen before they were born or when they were born did it happen in the middle of their life is it because of sin doesn't matter because as he said over Lazarus when people ask why did he die and Jesus is like this is for the glory of God take up your bed and walk the same thing he's saying to every one of you listening tonight who would trust him, who would call upon his name. Take up your bed and walk. Pick yourself up. Trust that he is who he says he is. Believe him. The simplest bit of faith is enough because his word is true, because his blood is powerful. To save you from any sin, to break any bond, any chain, remove any shackle, to set you free, and to give you eternal life if you call upon Him. If you need healing, trust Him, believe Him. Don't believe just what the doctors say. Don't believe what your just your friends say. Don't believe what the TV says. But look into the Word of God. Look into the Bible and see what He said about your healing. Agree with Him, as it says in Isaiah, "Who has believed our report?" And let the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Hakadosh, quicken your understanding and give you revelation as to his word, as to his nature, to who he is seated upon the throne. Father, for everyone who's listening tonight, Lord, everyone who can hear the sound of my voice, Father, we come
0: before you to serve the King of Kings, who sees us not for what we've done
1: for who we are. but sees that we have been redeemed and sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ who sees us as righteous through Him. For your word says, by grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourself for it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone would boast. Father, I ask in the name of Of Jesus, that you would heal every single one of these people listening. Lord, heal every infirmity, heal every sickness. In the name of Jesus. Father, if anybody's listening who doesn't know you, Father, anyone who hasn't had the joy of meeting you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal Jesus to them. Jesus, that you would come into their life. Peace. Show them your goodness.
2: I'm
3: finding myself at a loss for words. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say. Finding myself in the middle
1: some of these words over you who are listening tonight. I'm not sure what situation you're in or what obstacles you're having in your life. But I know that he is more than enough. as says in Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And now we're going to read a little bit real fast. While we have time out of the next chapter. And, you know, Ezekiel was a prophet. And, you know, this is initially talking about the nation of Israel. But I believe the Lord is saying the same thing over your life. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord God, you know if we're not continually in fellowship with Him, what happens is our spirits begin to dry out. We, the well of living water inside of us isn't full, isn't overflowing. And we can look at our situation and we can look at all the things that are going on and, you know, the world would see hopelessness, but Once again, we serve the God who is more than enough. Paul said his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And it says in verse 4, again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And we're declaring this over your life and over your family and your friends. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came over them and their skin covered over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these that are slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, And they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened up your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord.
0: Father over the house of Israel.
1: Father, over your church, your bride. Over everyone who is listening to the sound of my voice. Father, from Africa to China. To the United States. Father, from one corner of this earth to the other. Father, we declare to the dry bones that they will live. Declare. To the lost, that they will be found. We declare to the hopeless that you are our hope. We declare to the weak, O Lord God, that you are our strength.
0: Father, that you would cause your spirit
1: to fill those listening, Lord, that you would give them revelation, exceeding greatness.
0: Of your power. Father, that you would fill us with your presence. And give peace. Peace that surpasses
1: all understanding. Jesus, you said, come to you for your yoke is easy and your burdens light. And that you would give us peace. Life into your people. Breathe life
0: into your people.